Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlanski, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and now we have preseason games that we get to talk to in this first episode of the week. We'll talk about the split squad scrimmage between the Penguins and the Columbus Blue Jackets from Sunday. We'll talk about the injury to Jeff Carter that happened on Saturday. We'll just talk about our overall training camp takeaways from when we were both there on Friday and Saturday mornings. And then we'll get into Tristan Jari and and what his win total could be with our weekly Pens poll. So we have a busy episode, Horwat. We're going to start with the preseason games that we saw on Sunday. When you watched and what you saw from those games, was there anything alarming to you or was there anything that stood out in a positive fashion? I'd have to say it's quite neutral on both ends. You have to figure the Penguins didn't play any of their stars, their big stars, so you don't know exactly um, where their status is at going forward. The young players seem to be, seem to do pretty well against uh, Columbus's B team. Um, and we sent a majority, uh, what's it called, team, Mostly a majority Wilkes-Barre team to Columbus just led them to slaughter, apparently. So nothing, to, nothing to hurt. Um, going with the in that second game with sending, with losing that game the way we did because again it was mostly AHL players against literally Johnny Goudreau, Voracek. I don't know who was in net for them. I didn't pay that much attention. Merzlikens. Ah, so yeah, it slaughter, slaughter. We should not have kept that game close. And we'll get into all of that. That was a nice little overview there. But when you look at it, the Penguins ended up splitting the, the series. 3-2 to two win at home in overtime. And then a 5-1 to one loss, like you mentioned, on the road against Columbus in Johnny Gaudreau's debut with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Preseason debut, nonetheless. But the big story was that you mentioned a lot of the stars and the veterans for the Pittsburgh Penguins did not play. They instead practiced at Cranberry at UPMC Complex early in the morning. And a little... Little group of Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, Rust, Tristan Jari, Brian Dumlin, Jeff Petrie, Jan Ruda, and then Jeff Carter did not practice, but he was also not in the lineup because, as we'll talk about in a little bit, he is currently injured. Uh, also at UPMC Complex in those practices, Owen Pickering finally on the ice with team activities, albeit in a non contact jersey, but that's the first time he's joined the team in camp. So nice to see Pickering, the first round pick, get out there on the ice with the rest of the team. 
Hey, yeah, get get out there, get some skating, and get the get the familiarity with the guys that you could be spending some of your future with. Uh, we know he's not going to be up here immediately. I think that was already decided pretty early on. But again, any sort of work with the guys you could be spending um, your distant future with uh, is a good start. So getting him on the ice, getting him back into uh, on ice shape, it's always where it begins. It was an upper body injury anyway, so um, we know he can skate. He had been skating all weekend. I saw him a couple times when I got there early that he was just finishing up a session with Ty Hennis. So he's been skating, but now it's nice to see him join in, in regular team activities there on Sunday morning. Let's look at game one to start. We're not going to get too deep into any of these games. I just wanted to highlight some of the things that we saw, some of the highbrow things that it's like, oh, okay, that happened. That was one of the bigger things in the game. In game one, Casey DeSmith coming back. This was his first action since being injured in game one of that New York Rangers series. He had a core muscle surgery, which is not easy to come back from, especially when you're a goaltender. That's a very difficult injury to be able to bounce back from, but he looked pretty good. He allowed one goal on 13 shots. That goal going to, of course, the real deal, James Neal. But that in his first game action, Casey DeSmith looked pretty good. Yeah, he looks good. It's good to see him making the stops again. He was against the B team and a James Neal on a PTO, so who knows if that even mm -hmm. goes anywhere. So nothing to worry about. Uh, you have to take a lot of preseason games just with a grain of salt because, yeah, players can look good, players can look bad, but um, doesn't mean that much. But it's good to see Casey DeSmith. I mean, he has to have a bounce back of a year, right? I mean, bounce back in the sense of he had a slow start last year. He picked it up toward the end. Uh, we just expect better of him, especially if we kept him around. Yeah, when you sign him to a contract in the summer, you really expect him to be able to be what he was at the end of the season and not at the beginning, but especially coming off an injury, getting off to a hot start is going to be that much more important for DeSmith because, you know, he's, what, he's 30 years old at this point? Like, he is what he is. He's a good backup goaltender, but it was nice to see him get between the pipes, get a little bit of game action, and I wouldn't be surprised if he started three of the next four preseason games, because that's what remains on the preseason calendar for the Penguins, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw DeSmith through most of those games. No, that'd be totally fair. That'd be totally fair. I don't know when cuts start happening, because uh, we're done with the split squad. It's just one one game at a time now. So I, I'm assuming probably, probably after tomorrow's game, after the Tuesday game, we'll start cutting rosters. Um, unless they do it today with some of the obvious names that are heading back to juniors or straight to Wheeling, however it may be. Yeah. A guy like Brooklyn Kamelkov, I don't think you need to see him in the, in the preseason games going forward, but it was a nice experience for him, I'm sure, coming up for this past week, and, and we'll see. I mean, he might even stay the rest of the week. I figured it would be on Thursday after a full week of camp and a full week of preseason games, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, something else that obviously happened... Corey Andofsky ties the game at two with 54 seconds remaining in the game. The Penguins were down two to one. He comes around the side of the net and shoots it from the bottom of the circle. Beautiful shot that goes top shelf. As you've mentioned, he is Kenny Pickett's best friend, and he's able to go out there and get a nice goal on kids game at the Pittsburgh Penguins at PPG Paints Arena. A nice shot, like I said, that tied the game at two, and he's a guy that Coming into his first season in the Penguins organization, he's going to get sent down to Wilkes-Barre, maybe able to make some strides, and by next year be on that list of guys that could be an injury replacement. He could be. He's going to move up the list quick, a little faster, because he's a bigger guy, and we know that's how um, we know that's how 
Hextall and Burke Hextall like and to Burke. run. Yeah, we know that's how they like to run. It's an early morning. They like their bigger guys, like their bigger forwards who can bring size to the lineup. Since he can do that in spades, I forget his height exactly, but we know it's at least over 6-1. Um, there's a bit of an advantage there. If he can add on a little bit of a gritty game, gritty piece to his game, he'll jump right up into an injury as an injury replacement player. Um, it's a bit of a longer shot still, but if he's able to impress, much like he did uh, in this preseason game, like he has been in rookie camp and through camp itself, um, he has a great chance of not becoming an NHL regular quite yet, but finding that, <laughs> utilizing that uh, opportunity to bunk with Kenny Pickett and make the <laughs> NHL for a handful of games here and there. Yeah, we'll see where his season goes. Like I said, I don't expect it, or you shouldn't anticipate to see him very much at the NHL level this season, but he might make some noise at AHL Wilkes-Barre Scranton. The last thing I want to talk about from Game 1 before we kind of talk a little bit about Game 2 and more specifically get into the Jeff Carter injury, Jason Zucker wins it in overtime for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He had a busy shift all the way around there, and then he picked the puck back up, circled back in the zone, and then drove straight to the net, taking out the the... Columbus goaltender right after he shuffled the puck in the net. That's what you want to see from Jason Zucker. Very aggressive, heads towards the net, and shows really good finish to, to end the game and give the Penguins the win. He's been pretty impressive so far in training camp. Definitely looks better than he did most of last season, so it's a good sign that Jason Zucker is already off to a pretty decent start to 2022-23. A decent start, a confident start, making that kind of move that late in the game, preseason or not, that's a, that's a hell of a move. That's a hell of a play. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a way to get your season started, get off on the right on the right jump, and showing that you have a little bit more to prove once again this year. He's got to stay healthy. He mm-hmm. has to rebuild himself one more time to see what he can do. And this is a great start to it. Like I said, most of all, I'm happy that he's got that confidence. That's the biggest mm-hmm. part of it. Scoring or not on that play, it was having the confidence and having the skill to maintain that puck and bring it in and get a good shot off and and ultimately put in the back of the net. So playing with that confidence, mm-hmm. playing with that skill, it's only preseason game one and he's already got it, confidence-wise. Let's see that continue through the rest of the preseason into the regular mm-hmm. season. And if he stays healthy, this could be a fun year for him. Here's the thing with Jason Zucker. When you look at the last couple of seasons, yes, they have not been great. Yes, they have not lived up to the, what, five-plus million-dollar contract that he's currently on with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But two years ago, the issue that he said was obviously health, and he didn't shoot the puck enough. He wasn't aggressive enough. Okay, well, last year he comes in, he shot the puck much more, still faced those injuries, but his shooting percentage was at 6.7%, which is clearly a career low, way below the league average. So seeing him not only get out there, be aggressive with the puck, get the puck on net, but be able to finish, like you said, it's, it's a good indicator. It's not by any means something where we're going to say he's fully back, but that's what you want to see. If you see more stuff from that from Jason Zucker, then it's going in the right direction, and the comeback tour for Zucker is already on its way. So it's a nice start there for a goal and a game-winning goal in preseason game number one. In game number two for the Pittsburgh Penguins, like we mentioned already, a 5-1 to one loss in Columbus. Most of Columbus's starting lineup versus Pittsburgh's B split squad, which is already you take out the top tier, then you had the A squad, then you had the B squad. I thought there were a couple players that had 
decent games. Uh, Nathan Legere made some noise every once in a while. Redeem Zahorna looked pretty good at, at points, and we'll talk about him more with my training camp takeaways in the second uh, second segment here. But other than that, there was not much to take from Game 2 in Columbus. I didn't even watch Game 2, if I'm being blatantly honest. Well, then let's not stick on it. <laughs> we don't stick on, on too long. It. Like I said, I know it was mostly uh, A-squad guys from Columbus and P.O. Joseph. And redeems a Horna, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It wasn't, there wasn't much to see from the Penguins. We weren't, if we would have kept it close, I think I'd have been a little more into it, a little more on it about looking for details on the game. But just looking at the lineups and looking at the score, yeah, that is exactly how it was supposed to go. And not even that, the, the Penguins' second goalie didn't even play. It was just Dustin Tokarski taking on the mm-hmm. entirety of the 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Getting him ready. He's going to be the Wilkes-Barre starter, probably. Him and, him and Lindbergh are probably going to split time, and Lindbergh played in that first game against the Blue Jackets. But let's talk about Jeff Carter's injury, because kind of a quiet injury. Nothing big really happened, and then he left the inter-squad scrimmage on Saturday. Reported that he is being evaluated for an upper body injury. With the Penguins being off today on Monday and having a preseason game tomorrow, that means we might not hear anything until Wednesday, maybe somebody will ask something tomorrow, but I'm not sure whether or not they'll give an update. So we're going to have to wait and see what's going on with Jeff Carter. If this is an injury that's going to keep him out at the beginning of the season, or if it's just something that he needs to maintain throughout the rest of training camp and be careful with to be ready for the beginning of the season. I'm sure somebody will ask. I doubt they'll give an update yet. I'm sure it'll be continue, uh, just to continuing to evaluate. Um, if it wasn't... I mean, we were there. You didn't see exactly what happened. You didn't see anything that looked no. bad. Um, we were being told it's upper body. And without it being an obvious, you know, a noticeable hit or, you know, stop the scrimmage, you know, man down type situation, uh, I'm going to knock on wood, assume it's not that bad. And they're just kind of shelving him because he's old. And. You know, letting him just rest, heal it up, get it to 100%. I bet he plays in, like, the last preseason game, and we don't get full updates until that, until maybe midweek this week on, yeah, he'll be out X amount of days to equal last preseason game in and then regular season from there just to get his legs under because I don't want to jump him straight in. Hey, your first game of the year is game one. Unless that is what the injury is, so be it. But like I said, we don't know the full details. I'm going to assume it's not that that and just kind of jump to they're resting him out because he's a bit older than the rest of the team we'll have to keep an eye out obviously we don't know the extent of the injury we didn't see it i mean when it's non-contact like i assume it was like i said i missed it and then all of a sudden you heard people talking that oh carter's not there and you notice oh yeah he's he's not on the ice anymore he must have went down the tunnel so seeing something like that you hope it's nothing serious but again non-contact injuries sometimes if that is indeed what it was that can be even more dangerous than the big hit because if something like that happens, something might have given out. But again, good that it's upper body as opposed to lower body because lower body non-contact that's the, is yeah. really when you get into issues. That's that's the worrisome part because it's upper body and it was non-contact. That just you have to just be curious, like what exactly mm-hmm. could have happened? Maybe he got hit by a puck. We just didn't notice it. You know, maybe uh, a slash here or there. It's hard to say. I mean, a slash also it was camp. <laughs> if you're slashing hard enough to injure i mean what's going on exactly like i said we all missed it we all just kind of noticed so Mm -hmm. 
I mean, unless someone has a replay, I doubt, which is also not not a thing at all. So again, we don't know exactly what it is at all. And until we're told so, we got nothing. Well, we'll have to wait and see for that. But that does open the door for a couple of things here on the Pittsburgh Penguins that we'll talk about if he is indeed out to start the season. You would have to imagine Teddy Bluger gets moved up to the third line center role. And that's something that a lot of people, namely me included, have kind of clamored for to give Teddy Bluger a little bit more of an opportunity. We saw on Saturday that he has the hands. He had a nice goal, the only goal for team number three on Saturday, a nice breakaway goal on the and on the forehand and then finished it on the backhand, excuse me. But I think if he gets the opportunity to play with what we expect to be maybe Zucker and Kapanen or maybe Heinen and Kapanen, if he gets the chance to play with higher skilled guys, maybe you see a different level to Teddy Bluger's game at third line center. That's very possible because <clears throat> that's something we wanted last season that we wanted him to open up his offense a little more, open up the idea of being a scorer a little bit more than just a defense, a defensive forward. Uh, we know he has that ability. We He just hasn't had the opportunity to show it because he's been sheltered on the fourth line, playing with defensive-minded players like Zach Gaston-Reese, Brock McGinn, Brandon Tanev when he was here. So bumping him to an offensive line does open that up a little more. I don't think you're going to pull that defensive play out entirely, which you shouldn't. No, you need that. You do need that. So that's good that he can focus on that still as well. But having the idea and the opportunity to open him up to more scoring is a ton of fun. Just a matter of it, achieving that. But at the same time, do if let's say this Carter injury does keep him out for a while, who is going into that place? And do if it's a rookie per se, a new call up, do they take the third line center spot? Because you don't want to immediately shelter these guys on the fourth. Depends on who they pick up. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, with that, you kind of look and you see the fact that they've been giving Ryan Paling a lot of time with NHL regular wingers. So you would have to imagine that Ryan Paling ends up being that 4C if they do indeed bump Bluger up to the third line center role. The only question then becomes, do you have Drew O'Connor on that left wing or does Redeem Zahorna get the opportunity to play as the 12th floor for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mentioned we'll talk about him after the break, but I think there really is a case to be made. For either O'Connor or Zahorna, a lot of a lot of good comments from Mike Sullivan over the weekend about both of these guys, specifically their endurance and their fitness level. So it becomes a really, really interesting competition between O'Connor, Zahorna, and even Ryan Paling as to who's going to finish those last two spots. It'll be interesting. There's more competition than we give credit for. I think well, it was Hextall that said it shortly after the second day of training camp that this team is hungry and there are battles to be had for positions. That not mm -hmm. not all of them are locks. I think I think the roster might be a lock. The names you're going to see on the roster might be a lock, but it is a matter of where they land. That mm -hmm. could be what is up for battle here. And paling fighting for what could be a fourth line center role, you know, maybe a prospect sneaking in there as well. There's all kind of interesting small fights here and there that could break out for uh, these last few open positions. With that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about the training camp reactions. We were there on Friday and Saturday mornings. We're going to talk about what we saw, what we can expect to see the rest of training camp and what we might think that means for the NHL regular season. We'll be back right after the break.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. It was nice to get eyes on the guys over the weekend, Torwatt. Nice to be in Cranberry, watching these practices, watching the drills, talking to some people there, and realistically just getting a sense of what this team looks like heading into the 2022-23 season. Yeah, get a sense of what they do look like. Like I said, it's a lot of the names you're going to see on the roster are pretty much set in stone. It's just a matter of where they land. Mm-hmm. So seeing how everyone looks, it is a good start to the season. <laughs> I got nothing mm-hmm. else for it. It's, yeah, they're back out on the ice. It's what, we, it's what we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. I've already mentioned it a couple times, so I'll lead off the takeaway segment here with Redeem Zahorna. I, I've said it a couple times already in this episode. He looked really good both days, and he was... Easily the best Penguin on the ice last night in Columbus. So with that in mind and seeing him score that goal and an assist in his scrimmage on Friday and seeing him be able to to skate around some smaller guys and have a better fitness level than some of the smaller guys, I was very impressed by Redeem Zahorna, who is somebody that coming into the season, I had almost put on the back burner, to be completely honest, because whenever you look at these new guys coming in, the Josh Archibalds, the Drake Kajulas, the Ryan Palings, you said, well, they all kind of probably are going ahead of a guy like Zahorna who didn't play very many games in the National Hockey League the last two seasons. I think he has 25 combined. But he came in and he looked really impressive. And I wasn't the only one that noticed. A couple people asked Mike Sullivan. And and when asked, Sully said his fitness level is great. The best that I think I have ever seen before. So I I think Zahorn is really making a case to make that opening night roster. We we all thought that it was going to be between... Paling and O'Connor for the last spot. I would put Zahorno right on on par with those two guys at right now. You're totally right, actually. He looked very noticeable, aside from his size, obviously. He looked very noticeable at camp because he seems to have gained <clears throat> a step or two in speed. And if you're able to maintain speed with that size, that's a hell of a way to advance into this lineup and yeah, take over names of past players that are... Um, already set in the lineup. It's sorry, I got a text that threw me off for a second. It's um, but it'll be interesting to see because we know the organization likes him too. We know that the uh, the front office loves seeing him play on the Penguins roster, on the NHL Penguins roster. We've seen it before. They may have shoehorned him in before, and now it is he's making a real case to be a regular NHL player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'd rather see him over a Josh Archibald or uh, or even a Drake Kajula at this point. I think he brings a little bit more to the table than those guys. He's a big guy. He doesn't play like it necessarily. But whenever he comes around with that scoring sense, it's almost, it's almost like Brian Boyle last year. A guy that can play the wing or he can play center. And Zahorna, for his abilities, can play both wings as well. So he can go anywhere in the lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins has that scoring touch. We saw it almost immediately when he came up to the NHL a couple seasons back. He has a really good shot and a really good nose for for the ice and where he's supposed to be. If he increased that fitness level, which was one of the biggest question marks about him coming into the season, that really makes it interesting when it comes to who is the first call-up. In this instance, with Carter potentially being out, 
Who fills in for that? Zahorna has really impressed at least me, and it seems like he's impressed some others in the Penguins organization, and, and that's going to bode well for his opportunity to play 20-plus games again this season. Yeah, I'd say even more than 20-plus if he does hold on to a position like that. Give him at least half the season, I'd say. Well, that also depends on injuries, and you hope that we don't need to resort to playing Redeem Zahorna, who's, best case scenario, I would think he's your 12th or 13th forward. If, don't have to resort to him if being the 13th forward, being in all that time. But nonetheless, uh, I digress on that point. Kasperi Kapanen... Thank you for saying it. <laughs> is, uh, ...is a guy he's that... A guy. He's a guy that always shines in training camp, isn't he? Uh, I would assume so, but he's... Like we said, he is a guy that we saw what he did last season. We saw the last year's regular season, and we knew and we know, and the front office knows it, he needs to be better. Okay? Yeah. He's having a great training camp. That's phenomenal. We can hoot and holler all we want about a great Kasperi Kapanen training camp. And I, that's good. It's good to see that it, it's, there's always a start to these things. But just saying he's having a great training camp will not impress me until it produces – on the ice during the regular season. He can have a great preseason for all I care. He did last season. He did last season as well. Exactly. So, it is good. It, now all of a sudden, Kapanen is someone to keep an eye on. That's what the big takeaway is here from Kapanen having a great camp. As mm -hmm. good as he may be, that's cool. Just now we have to watch him. Now more eyes are going to turn to him because he's going to be holding on to his $3.2 million contract per year. Mm -hmm. And he's got to perform like it. Now, are we expecting war? I don't think he can get worse than last season. I think that is only up from here. Mm -hmm. And a good training camp is the beginning. A good preseason is the second step. And then finally, the third step is having a much, much better uh, regular season. Again, I'm expecting him to be at least a little bit better because there's no way he can get worse because he is, he is a talented player. I just do not see him regressing even further. So I expect at least a little bit of a jump. But if he is able to get back to form, then that is what will be impressive. And it all starts with this training camp, which apparently so far he's looked good in, according to everyone. Yeah, every, literally everyone has mentioned that Kasperi Kapanen looks good out there at, at Cranberry. And he looked pretty good uh, yesterday as well in, in that game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. But looking at the way that he's able to perform in training camp, he is one of the most physical guys on the ice. He is flying around, and the one thing I mentioned to you is a couple of times in the scrimmage where we were watching him, he had the opportunity to do what he did a lot last season, which was enter the zone with speed, stop really quickly, and pull up and look for a pass. That didn't work last season. He turned the puck over more times than not. He never really created great opportunities. The players weren't already there because they weren't keeping up with Kasperi Kapanen through the neutral zone. He had a couple of those same opportunities, and instead of pulling up, I mentioned to you, He's cutting through the middle of the zone, attacking the center of the zone, and he's getting shots on goal. And that, to me, that mental block that he got over, at least to this point, to not pull up and instead attack the middle of the ice, knowing that some of these guys aren't going to be in the zone with you because you enter the zone so quickly, knowing that you need to create something on your own, that is an improvement. That impressed me a little bit. That is a good sign to me for Kasperi Kapanen. Again, like you mentioned, it's training camp. It doesn't make any difference if you do it at Cranberry. You need to do it in regular season games at PPG Paints Arena and at other NHL arenas across the league. But I will say it's much better than the alternative of saying 
Kapanen looks exactly like he did last season. And here's the other thing. There was a really interesting quote, and I wish I could remember who tweeted it out, but it's from Mike Sullivan. I believe it was from Taylor Haas or Danny Shiree. They were there all weekend saying, I think it was, it was Danny's story saying when Sullivan was talking about Kapanen, I need to do a better job of coaching Kapanen, which is an interesting little wrinkle in this because everybody wants to blame Kapanen. Oh, he doesn't have his confidence. Oh, it's his fault. Oh, he, he has these mental hurdles. Mike Sullivan coming out and saying, I need to do better at coaching him. That's an interesting wrinkle that I don't think enough people have thought of. That when you see somebody going and doing things that Kapanen was, pulling up in the zone, which was the mind-numbing thing that everybody couldn't understand why he continued to do, maybe that's something that Sullivan has to say, hey, you do that again, you're getting scratched. Like, don't do that. Do anything else. If you turn the puck over, if you just dump the puck in and it doesn't turn in anything, I would much rather you do that then pull up, turn the puck over, and have your guys on their heels already at the blue line when you turn the puck over. So maybe that's an interesting wrinkle that also leads to Kapanen having a better season. That is an interesting wrinkle, and no one no one thought of it because Mike Sullivan's not the one on the ice making the decisions. Because at the end of the day, it does all, almost always come down to the players making the right decisions on the ice to perform and win. But I do think that is an interesting little tidbit there because you're... He's kind of right. It is fun. It's interesting seeing Mike Sullivan take a responsibility like that as well, saying that his downfall is on me. He, mm-hmm. It is on <clears throat> Mike Sullivan to coach him dif- differently and make him and push him in the right direction. There's, Like I said, Mike Sullivan's not the one on the ice making the on-ice decisions. Mm-hmm. He is the one behind the bench telling the players how to you know, perform and play hockey, but... Um, I like this idea of it is a little bit of give and take between those two. Now it will become watching the way Mike Sullivan handles Kasperi Kapanen through this through this training camp, through this preseason, through this regular season, and helps and takes his takes his role into helping Kapanen improve. I think mm-hmm. I think he's not totally wrong either because he did kind of leave him in for a little longer than a lot of us would have liked rather than put he pushed him around the lineup a little bit. There's a lot of different ways that uh, Kapanen was not set up to fail, but not given good opportunities to improve. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see now if Sullivan makes any changes that we notice. What is one of the most continued bits that we say on this show? Kasperi Kapanen needs to play the penalty kill. Don't, don't you think if he would have played the penalty kill and succeeded, that would have helped his confidence a little bit? So, yeah, you're right. I will say in, like, the few minutes that I did see of his preseason game, <clears throat> uh, he was playing the penalty kill. Now, again, well, it could be because it was preseason and there's no one else really in the lineup. But, hey, that's a start. He's getting his training in there. He's getting his mm-hmm. on-ice experience with the penalty kill. The one time I noticed it, uh, the, the Blue Jackets were scoring – but again, mm-hmm. preseason, we take it with a grain of salt, and we move on and just say, hey, Kasperi Kapanen was out there killing penalties because also the Blue Jackets had a lot of penal- uh, a lot of power play opportunities in that game. So mm-hmm. he's, yeah. he got some ice time on it. Well, and here's the thing. If you want to really go full tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, Always. who coached the Pittsburgh Penguins in that first game? Who was the head coach for that first game? Mike Volucci, who is the penalty kill coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So t- full conspiracy theory, Kasperi Kapanen will play on the Penguins penalty kill this season. There you can book it. 
you can book it right that there. That and uh, the players were taking more penalties, so Volucci under Volucci's uh, decision making, so he he could see his deployment a little more. Exactly. That's why they took penalties. Volucci said, "I want to practice the penalty kill. You must go out there and slash number fifty-seven. Whatever." But uh, nonetheless, uh, a couple knocked the hell out. Oh yeah, that was Jamie Devane versus yes. yeah. That was interesting fight. Yikes. You know, <laughs> Jamie Devane is a monster of a man, and and that fight with Ben Harper so was Ben Harper scary. Yeah, that 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 was a little scary seeing that. But I mean, Jamie Devane, consummate professional, was sitting there very worried afterwards. So you got you got to love it from the Wiley veteran. But a couple other takeaways. I want to look at some of the young guys. Uh, somebody that I was very excited to see, and he kind of didn't do very much was Lucas Fedkovsky. Uh, but clearly he has lots of room to grow. The, the kid is very young. He's entering his first professional season. You notice that the jersey looks like a massive tarp on him. I'm going to assume, considering he's number 72, that they just took Hornquist's old practice jerseys and switched the nameplate and made this young kid wear those big-ass jerseys from the Viking. Sure, that's what it was. There was someone else last rookie <laughs> camp. I can't remember who it was. It may have been Pustinen, for all I remember, who... Also had a jersey that just looked like a curtain. Uh, so maybe it's just kind of... And hey, for what it's worth, Pustin had jerseys that fit him pretty well in the NHL. <laughs> in the NHL yeah. and this past uh, camp. So maybe there's something to the training regimen of the Penguins that gets these kids to grow a little. But that was that was just my big takeaway from Svetkoski's head. That thing was a tarp on him. Yeah, he didn't really make any flashy plays. He really didn't stand out that much. But again, lots of room to grow for Lucas Fedkovsky. This is his first professional camp where he will be going to Wilkes-Barre, playing some professional hockey, growing into the league, and growing into his jersey, hopefully, a little bit more. But the other thing I wanted to mention about the young players, they're getting chances this year. That was one of the things that a lot of people were upset about last season is not a lot of these young players were given the call to come up, especially when the Penguins were decimated with injuries. Not a lot of these young players were given the opportunity. Bjorkfist got a lot of a lot of chances, and by a lot, I mean like six games for Casper Bjorkfist. He's gone. Pusinen got one game. Hollander got one game. Legere, Poulin left in the minors. P.O. Joseph only played four games last season. That was a big thing with the Hextall and Burke first full year, is a lot of people saying, well, you didn't really use any of your young kids. Looks like by this camp that they're looking to do that a lot more this year, considering who they're putting them with in these practices. Everybody's talked about Valtteri Pustin and getting the opportunity to play alongside Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. He was there both days that we were there. Whenever they split into two, obviously Crosby and Gensel played together. Pustin and played with Raquel. So it's not like they were like, all right, well, since you're not playing with those guys, we'll have you practice with somebody else. No, they had him practice with NHL talent, which is a really good sign for Pustin and moving forward. Philip Hollander, somebody who I expect to see a lot of this season at the NHL level, before the injury to Jeff Carter, was playing with Carter and Kapanen. Good sign for him. Nathan Legere was playing with Bluger and McGinn, which considering what he was able to do in the Prospects Challenge game, that would form a really interesting line if Legere continues to be that kind of tooth and nail, scrappy, fourth line type of guy with a really good shot. But he gets the opportunity to play with some NHL players. And the one that a lot of people are taking notice of, P.O. Joseph playing on a defense pairing with Chris Letang throughout the first weekend of camp. 
Do you read anything into that, or do you think that's just, hey, let's let the young kid grow underneath the guy we hope he turns into one day? I'm going to go with the latter, <clears throat> because, because we know he's fighting for a spot down on the third line. We're letting him play together because he has familiarity. We've seen them play together before at the NHL level in a short short amount of time, but still something. There's a little familiarity there, and it is much better having even a little familiarity versus throwing a guy like uh, Jack St. Ivany up there with Crystal Tang, saying, have fun, good luck, best of luck. It is you're training him to become the next Crystal Tang in the future if he makes his – if P.O. Joseph makes his way into the lineup this year and progresses properly – which he needs to do, but Ty Smith might be just better. For what it's worth, from what I've seen, I know it hasn't been much, and you can only take so much from camp. Ty Smith looks just a touch better. Um, so I think it is just having him grow with Chris Letang, or under Chris Letang, just having him watch him from the best perspective there is, and that is literally on his line. Mm. Um, so I think it's just letting him grow into the into that position and being the future defensive of the future defenseman of this core. And then going from there, he does have to still be that Ty Smith to make it into the lineup this year. But I also read into the latter more than because... I know it might not mean much again because it was preseason. P.O. Joseph was the second-line defenseman in his preseason game. Behind Jack St. Ivany and Ouellette? I have no idea. Yeah, Xavier Ouellette Xavier was Ouellette, the, yeah. the, the top-left defenseman in that second game. So, And he was playing with Taylor Fadoon. Now, maybe he was just playing with his... AHL line mate, and that's all it was. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, I'm not reading too far into more than uh, in the sec into your the latter part of your question, which is just letting him grow underneath Crystal Tang. Mm-hmm. I kind of disagree. Uh, I I think that. I'm reading a little bit into it. Now, whether that's just me, again, tinfoil hat conspiracy me, but uh, that's just me say, thinking of it. But whenever P.O. Joseph came up the first time, he did spend a couple games on the line with Chris Letang. And when you look at the left side of the defense, it's pretty clear and obvious that the Pittsburgh Penguins want to see Marcus Pedersen and Jeff Petrie be the, be the second pairing all season long. Like, that is their ideal second pairing. The question then becomes... Do you really think that Brian Dumlin is going to be able to get back to the level he was two seasons ago? Because last year it wasn't it. Last year it wasn't it, and he's coming off of a knee surgery. Now, it didn't look like anything was hampering Brian Dumlin at camp, but again, that's training camp. What happens by the time you're at game 41 in the middle of December, and you've played 41 games in two months or whatever it is? That's when you have interesting questions, or if there's another injury on that lineup. Who do you put up there? Because I wouldn't want Mark Friedman up there, to be completely honest. I don't think the Penguins want to put Marcus Pedersen up there. I think the Penguins want to keep Marcus Pedersen on a line with Jeff Petrie as long as they possibly can. So who is the guy that would end up going up there with Brian Dumoulin down? Or with Brian Dumoulin needing to take a lesser role? That's P.O. Joseph. So maybe they're trying to get these guys a little bit more familiarity. They've played together before. Joseph is the the top defenseman in the Penguins system right now. You want to get him time with the top defenseman on the Penguins roster. And if that becomes your top pairing, that's something that, yes, they both lean a little bit more offensively. But P.O. Joseph is much better defensively than Mike Matheson ever was, right? Yes. Yes. So regardless, if they're willing to pair Matheson and Latang for playoff games, P.O. Joseph and Latang being a first pairing 
is is not that far out of the question to me. So I think that they are preparing P.O. Joseph to play with Chris Letang, probably not at the beginning of the season, but by the end of this year, I wouldn't be surprised if that's your first pairing for the Penguins. I would not be surprised either. I would be shocked, actually. <laughs> that's I'm just not totally not expecting it, but... If I check the Webster's Dictionary, wouldn't surprise and shocked be synonyms? <laughs> yeah, I think shocked is a little heavier. You know, it's, okay, it's, I mean, I would the be, Horwatz Dictionary, that's what we're all open up right now. I would be shocked. I feel like that there's a little more emphasis to that than there is okay. surprised. I don't know. You wouldn't be surprised, but you would be shocked. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. I'm not disappointed, I'm just not surprised. Or whatever that one was that we said in college all the time. <laughs> I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. There it is, is that I, the I'm one you were going with? I need more coffee, it's an early Monday morning, and... Uh, Yes. And all and all of that. But we're going to take a quick break to let Horwat regather his thoughts. When we return, we're going to be talking about Tristan Jari's win total. Will he go over or under 35 wins this season? We'll talk about that right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. It was nice to watch hockey yesterday, Horwat. Like, nice to watch an actual game. Now, there was no audio for either stream, basically. So, it was a little bit different, but it was nice to see the Penguins against the Blue Jackets. It was really nice to see the Penguins against the Penguins on Friday and Saturday. Sidney Crosby looking absolutely beautiful in that scrimmage on Saturday afternoon. I'm sure his father, Troy, was very happy to see that when he came in from Nova Scotia to watch it. Uh, you made a, a couple comments about that. Oh, 18 years oh, in. Oh, come on. Father's still coming to check up on you. I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting you're trying to throw digs at Troy Crosby. Trying to have some fun with it. I stopped at the <laughs> did he drive him here, too. At least I didn't call Sid a home dresser, all right? Listen. <laughs> I could have kept going. Fair enough. You could have kept going, but it was early Saturday morning. It was nice to see uh, Crosby go out there and, and put on the Ritz, as it were, uh, making a couple plays, scoring a couple goals in the inter-squad scrimmage for team He looked in mid-season form already. It looked like he was trying to draw a couple penalties. I, even during the drills, he was, he was belly yeah. on the ice. I mean, he looked like he was ready to go. Scoring empty net goals from halfway down the ice in practice and drills when nobody else is really paying attention. It's good. Good on Sidney Crosby, looking good. And I said to you, watch he leads the league in empty net goals this season. We can look back to this day and say, yep, he was practicing that on day three of camp. When we ask him, hey, what uh, what have you worked on this summer to improve yourself? Because he does something every summer. Uh, empty net goals. Empty net goals. <laughs> oh, taking an off year, Sid. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it might be a little bit more than that. But uh, nonetheless, let's get to our weekly pens poll and talk a little bit about Tristan Jari because he's heading into the final season of his contract, looking to earn a big payday at the end of the year. The question we asked on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast was, will Tristan Jari finish with more or less than 35 wins this season? Horwat, what do you believe the answer to this question is in your opinion? So if you were to set the number at 34 and a half, if you will, for all you betting fans out there, nice shirt, exactly. by the way. Thank um, you very much. I would have to say he goes with the over. I think he has an improvement this year. I don't, it's Again, it's hard to improve on 34 wins. It is. But I do think it's totally possible. I do think he can have 
a step up into the 35-plus win column. It Because you have to figure, he had 34 and missed the end of the season with an injury. Mm-hmm. More than likely, he was going to get a 35th, maybe even a 36th, maybe even a 37th win last season. So if he stays status quo per se but remains healthy, um, then he should crush 34 into 35 at least. So I think he has an improvement just because also he's got a contract year. Mm-hmm. The last year's contract, he's fighting for some big money. And, I mean, he played 58 games. I don't know if we want him going too far past that. But, again, the injury held him out from a handful. So mm-hmm. he could have hit 60. Um, let's say he let's let's say nothing changes goaltending wise. He remains healthy and he plays sixty games. Um, he should be able to win thirty five of those. Mm-hmm. He should be able to win a couple more than thirty five of those. So I'm going to say he does get more than thirty five. Um, I don't know what the odds are on BetMGM, if you will, or whatever. Hey, uh, listen, no free ads. Ah, that's what I was going to say, or whatever uh, sports betting place you use, but. Um, I do see him going over on the 30, 34 and a half to 35, if you will. It would be 35 and a half if, if, we're, if we're playing this because he did finish with 34 last season. And it, it, it's interesting because when you look at last year from the league wide perspective, seven guys hit that 35 win mark. Yeah. Tristan Jari was eighth on that list with yep. 34. It's hard. It, it's hard to go up when you're already that close to the ceiling. But it's possible. There were some guys with 40-plus wins. that I wouldn't be surprised if Tristan Jari is able to do that. Because uh, first and foremost, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be a good team again this year. Which is the first thing you have to talk about. Whether or not the team's going to be good. And the Penguins will be good this season. 85%, by the way, we didn't even get into the poll results. 85% of our listeners and our voters say that he's going to finish with more than 35 wins. So very confident our Penguins fans in Tristan Jari's ability to Notch wins this season. 15% said less. I'd love to hear their argument because I don't agree with it. I do think he finishes with more. Last season's 34 that we've both mentioned a couple times was his career high. So I think that he's only going to get better this season. We saw him reach some very high heights last season. Top three at points and goal saved above expected. He did have a little bit of a lull, but he does that every once in a while. And most goalies do. It's a long season. And he played so much hockey last year, especially early on in the season when DeSmith wasn't doing very well. I think ideally, Casey DeSmith or whoever the backup ends up being starts 25 to 30 games, which gives Tristan Jari around 50 to to 55 games to get the 35 wins. And I do think that you have to be a very good team to get that. But I also think the Pittsburgh Penguins are there. So I think that Tristan Jari gets that. And then I think he also gets a really big payday in the offseason. Yes, he does. And you have to, I mean, he's definitely, he definitely has to have the good core of guys in front of him. It's the reason why people didn't look at Flurry the right way for so many years. Oh, it's because he has young Sidney Crosby, young Evgeny Malkin in front of him to score goals and win games for him. Sure, that as a goalie, that is definitely part of it. No doubt, because after all, your forwards and your defensemen are the ones scoring the goals and getting the points, but you're the ones making the saves. Mm-hmm. So if everything rolls on all cylinders for the Penguins this year, even in fewer games, I said him playing, if everything was to stay status quo and he plays 60, he should definitely be able to hit 35. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if he does play fewer and plays around, like you said, 50 to 55, he should still be able to do it then too. Because he's got a lot to play for. He's looking to get that huge payday. He's looking to get a nice big contract. Mm-hmm. 
And everyone we ever talked to says he is amongst some of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. So everything should come up jarry, if you will, for this season. Yeah, and, and something that you have to take into account as well, the Penguins had the third best penalty kill in the league last year. Jari is a big part of that, but the other part of that is the fact that the Penguins just genuinely have a good penalty killing unit, which is going to help win games. Secondly, I think the defensive core is better this season. I think adding a guy like Jeff Petrie instead of Mike Matheson is going to improve your defense. I think adding a guy like Jan Ruda is obviously really good, and if you want to go defense heavy for a game, we haven't seen it in training camp. Ruda Ruweedle is a third pairing. Pretty good. It's it's a pretty good third pairing right there. You have the net clearing guy. You have the guy in Chad Ruweedle who's able to move the puck, and he's very defensively responsible. But I I think overall the Pittsburgh Penguins defensively are better this year than they were last season, which is also going to help Tristan Jari. It's also going to help the Pittsburgh Penguins win games because they can keep the score on the opposing side lower, which when you have Crosby and Malkin and you're in those close games and you need a goal, we've seen so many times in the past 17 years, they can be the ones to go out there and get it. So I think it's going to be a good year for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know it might sound a little homerism with that, but seeing the way they looked in training camp, seeing what their season prospectus is like and seeing Tristan Jari head into a big season of his personal career with 34 last year, going to be able to hopefully not have to worry as much about his backup this season. I think he accomplishes it, and I think he gets that 36th win this year. Hopefully more. He can definitely get more, especially if the forward core ahead of him is rolling at all cylinders. He's making the right saves. He could definitely get more, even in fewer games. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will be back on Thursday talking all things Pittsburgh Penguins, maybe talking about the preseason game that happens tomorrow, and maybe hopefully getting an update on the Jeff Carter injury. But for Nick Horwat and Nick Berlansky, that's going to do it. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Penguins fans. 